It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to All Steelers Talk, your home for everything Pittsburgh Steelers, presented by AllSteelers.com. What is up, Steelers Nation? Thank you so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. I'm Noah Strackbine, joined every Monday and Wednesday by my main man, Stephen Thompson. Find us on YouTube.com slash Talk or anywhere you get your podcasts. And today, we're deep diving into the Steelers playoff situation as we have been rookies who have impressed us recently and obviously the tragic news of DeMar Hamlin I think that's where we have to start but as always it's a little bit of a gloomy day out I just got back from a run though so it's like it's like that perfect it rained but it's warm type of feeling out you know what I'm saying Mm -hmm. like it's not it just doesn't feel like winter which is probably a good thing but how you feeling my friend feeling good a little uh a little worn out. Um, those nine o'clock tip offs at the at the Pete covering some pit basketball will will take a toll on you eventually. But they won last night, so I'm feeling good about that. And um, yeah, excited about not freezing my ass off at this time of year. Yeah, hundred percent. Well, we got one more football game to go, and then at least that comes down. But I agree, nine o'clock tip offs are uh, just don't make any sense. Not not in the city of Pittsburgh. You know, it's a what was last night? Monday, Tuesday? It's a Tuesday. Night. Tuesday, yeah. It. You know, you got places to be, beds to sleep in, bigger exactly. things than Virginia basketball. But it is good for the pit or for pit. Seems like they're alive. Got to feel good about that one. Let's talk the terrible, tragic news of Demar Hamlin. Still some hope. Last report was his from his uncle. You got to take that with a grain of salt, I guess. That his oxygen levels went from 100 to 50, or his oxygen intake went from 100 to 50, meaning that. He is starting to breathe on his own. That's the the biggest goal, I guess, when it comes to this entire situation, according to his uncle, is that he needs to be able to breathe on his own. They're worried about lung damage. In my opinion, that's, you know, sounds at least less scary than everything that I was thinking. My, my first thought was how long was he not breathing? You know, how bad is brain damage? That whole nine. Um, but before we dive into that, I mean, we both watched that in real time. It was awful. Uh, getting to cover pit means that we had to stick as close to that story as humanly possible. Um, kind of got every detail of it. What are your uh, thoughts on the matter? Yeah. Um, well, I think, yeah, first of all, you just got to start with the experience of having to watch that um, in real time. It was, um, it, it's certainly not something that I'm going to forget for, for a long time. And I think it's going to really inform how I go a generation of people kind of watch football from here on out. Like that was, you know, when you watch football, you kind of have to accept the tolerance for pretty brutal injuries. But, um, you know, that was completely different. That was so beyond the pale and um, so different. And 
uh, it, you know, just I've never seen anyone react to an injury the way that those guys on the field reacted to to that injury. Um, it, you know, it feels weird to call it an injury because um, it feels so much more serious than that. Um, but yeah, and then you know, in these in these like past few days, you know, going back to that Pitt basketball game, they they honored Demar at the at the Pete in the middle of the first half, and um, what you noticed. So they they ran a bunch of the the tributes that that people from around the country had you know posted on social media and stuff um and it was truly from around the country um and you just realized kind of all the different um parts of the world that Demar had touched just all the places that he had been um most notably in pittsburgh you know it's well documented how important he was to the football scene here and just and just to the city in general and then um he made a similar impact in the short time he was in buffalo and i think that's i don't know that just um makes the news all the more sad it makes what happened on that field all the more sad um when you just realize that um it happened uh to to someone who meant so much to so many different places yeah 100 percent. and i think that the outpour of support i mean anybody in that situation would have got a huge outpour of support from across the nfl but being in pittsburgh we kind of got a closer look at some of these guys you know some people that actually knew him from playing with him or growing up here whatever and you know you realize just how big of that of an impact that guy actually did have how generous of human being that guy was and just like the quality of life that he lived and and it is it's it's like you said like watching that in real time was the scariest thing i've witnessed in a football game easy you know it, it was a a situation where you know you you just you don't have words like you're you're freaking out because for us immediately you have to start digging into finding and reporting news that's that's step one in our process and then step two is for me at least was answering the 1100 text messages that i got within five minutes either asking me what was going on talking about it with friends or family members you know reaching out that that i talk football with and then it was calling my dad and him being like dude i i haven't even said or haven't even seen anything like this. And my dad always has a story about something. Um, it was, it was terrifying. And then waiting all night, you know, still waiting now for kind of anything that to come and we don't really know what's going to happen, but I think every hour that passes, you're kind of just like, okay, like I'm going to keep my hope high. And I think that it grows a little bit with each passing moment. Um, but it is, it's a, it's a terrifying situation. It's, it's an awful situation. There, there's different parts to dig into here. I want to, kind of give a couple of shout outs. Obviously the way that ESPN handled that situation was phenomenal. You know, Ryan Clark and SVP were the two people that you should have had at that broadcast table during that situation. You know, I don't, I can't think of anybody else who should have sat there and who handled that situation better. Um, The people on the field, the people reporting from the hospital, you know, those guys are, in my opinion, that's, that's what you live for in this job is, is a moment like that where, you don't, and you don't want it to be that tragic, but a moment where you're called upon to somewhat be the face of something that's much bigger than you and to be able to tell the story. And I think they did that perfectly. Um, and, you know, the NFL, there was a lot of people freaking out for like that hour there of, oh, well, they were supposed to play in five minutes, blah, blah, blah. I can't believe they're not going to cancel the game. I don't think anybody in the locker room or the referees or anybody actually thought that game was going to get played again. I just looked at it like they didn't really know what to yeah. say, so they said some stuff. Yeah, I think that I'd well, 
Yeah, I think that had more to do with the fact that, you know, the players and the coaches and the refs were never really going to let that happen. No, you know, no like I, I think that had less to do with anything the NFL decided um, and had more to do with, with the decision that those those men on the field made. Um, but I think you you hit the nail on the head. Um, Ryan Clark was incredible. I also thought Booger McFarland. Booger McFarland, like, you know, Ryan Clark at least had maybe a few minutes to process some of his thoughts. Booger McFarland was thrown straight into that fire. And same with Joe Buck yeah. and, and everyone else who was, you know, right there when when it happened immediately but like i was i was so struck by how the former players um the people who had actually been in that game and on that field and seen things like that those were the people who were, i thought the most reliable and um I, I don't know uh not interesting commentary but just the the most revealing i thought um because they were the ones that were most honest to think about how truly horrifying what they what they saw happen was and how much that just how that is everyone's worst nightmare when you are around a professional football player, or no one or are one. Um, th- there is nothing more horrifying than what you saw or um, saw that night. Yeah. A hundred percent. And shout out to all those guys. Um, shout out to you. I thought you did a fantastic job covering that news that night. Um, I kept talking to my fiance, like, dude, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to approach this. I don't know how to handle this. Um, and she, you know, she's never watched football in her life. So she had no, she was like, oh yeah, that stinks. And I'm like, no, like watch the television for five minutes and you realize somebody might've just died. Like yeah. awful situation. Um, there's more that goes into that though. There's the week 18 schedule, the bills, Bengals. We don't know what's going to happen there at this point. They're not going to play this week. I don't know if they're going to play at all. And that has implications in the, into the playoffs with the Steelers, with the AFC North directly. Um, there's, there's some other parts of this that we will talk about as well, but let's dive into the scheduling part of it. They're not going to play this week. If it is a no contest, which is not a tie, it's basically just a void of the game. The Bengals would win the AFC North, which doesn't matter to the Steelers, but the Bills would then have to rely on a win in Buffalo and then a loss to Kansas City to claim that first seed a totally different situation for a team like the Pittsburgh Steelers who were really banking on the bills going or hosting Buffalo or hosting new England and winning. I don't know. Like it, it's not even like a, an opinion question to ask. It's just, that's the situation. If you're the NFL, do you think that it, it gets played? Do you think that it's just over and you know, how much impact do you think it does have on the Steelers playoff hopes? I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Um... Yeah, it I don't think it looks good. Um the thing is look if these if these guys, you know, the Bills flew back to Buffalo that night. 
Um, They were never going to just kind of regroup and play it the next day or within the next couple of days. Um, But that just makes you wonder, are they going to like, when's, when's the day they're all going to feel better? When is the day that everyone is going to feel comfortable going back onto a football field like that? Um, Honestly, if it's, if it's next Sunday, like I'll be just as surprised. Um, Mm -hmm. So that's just, I, I have no idea what they're going to do, I guess. And I just, I, I think I would not be shocked at all if they call it a no contest or just bring it to a coin flip or something. You know, I, I would be, I don't know if they're going to try to do some tiebreaker or some kind of random, you know, way to generate an outcome, maybe call it a tie. Like there's, there's a number of different things they could do. And I don't know if any of them are as more likely than the other. Do you so so you said this Sunday like do you are you talking about the Bills Patriots game like you still aren't in your head you're not certain that'll get played Yeah like I'm not I, I just if they're not ready if you know if they're not ready to get take the field by yesterday or today or probably not Thursday like when would you play that game and yeah. if you're moving that game back why are you not I I don't know I just don't I think Sunday is much sooner than I assume these guys will be ready to, to go again. Um, and that's with that. I like, I don't know what their practice schedule has looked like this week. I don't. Yeah. As I, of I, don't now, know. I don't know if anything changed. I know Cincinnati moved forward. Like they started practice today. I just saw. Um, so they'll move through like a normal week. I don't know what Buffalo is going to do because Buffalo, you know, it's a very, tra- it's a very traumatic situation for both sides, but obviously yeah. Buffalo is, you know, this is somebody that they loved. This is a teammate. You know, this is very, very close human being to them. I just you, until you know what's going on. I think that's the biggest thing is like, how do you return to a football field before you know any updates on his health? Or, you know, as of now, it's just like, OK, like his uncle spoke to ESPN and NFL Network and said, you know, he's he's progressing, but he's still he's still sedated. There, at this point, the team has released one update since their original update, and it has said basically nothing. It's just, yep, he he remains exactly the same. We don't know what to say, you know. So at this point, it's just like how how do you move forward knowing that this guy's just sitting in a hospital bed, unconscious, still pretty much dealing with the same stuff he was dealing with on Monday night when he collapsed, and for everybody to just be like, okay, we're supposed to move on with our life. Like that's not, that's, I agree with you. I just don't think you could walk onto the field. What does the NFL do from there? Like if you cancel another game in week 18, you're now getting into the playoffs, which like you could, you could, you could adjust a regular season, but moving the Super Bowl has got to be the hardest thing in the whole world. I've heard people say you, you kind of push the season back a week and you remove the pro bowl, but that removes the media week in the NFL, which that's a moneymaker and the league is not going to be like, oh, we're just going to remove that and make a lot less money. I don't know. How do you think they go about that situation? Yeah, I mean, it just all, like, I don't know. I I just, it all comes down to, I guess, whether the Bills actually want to play. And I think you just saw such a different, 
like going back to what we talked about earlier, that decision not to play that night, that was the Bills and the Bengals decisions. Those those were the that was a decision they arrived at. Those two yeah. teams and their captains and their coaches, that was not something that the NFL handed down. So quite honestly, I don't think this this land I mean, I guess the NFL has to react to what they do, but the Bills control all of this. Um and it's all about what they want to do, quite honestly. Um yeah, I, I don't know because it's not like this is – I think it's different if this is the seven seed, you know, that's still just like fighting for a playoff spot. This is two top seeds that you know are going to be there. Um, This is one of your Super Bowl favorites. You, Yeah, but how do you – if you're the Bill – if you're the NFL and you have to handle this situation, like you are – if the Bills are like we're not playing this weekend, we're not ready, which I don't blame them for. That and the Steelers are, and then the NFL has to be like, okay, well, then you just forfeit. The Steelers have just been eliminated from the playoffs. And I know that in the grand scheme of a human being's life, that is no big deal. But when you break it into micros and this is the NFL playoffs, you know, somebody somewhere is going to get upset. You know, somebody high up. I have a very hard time believing that everybody in the NFL, not players, I think every player does, I also believe every coach does. But I have a hard time believing that every businessman in the NFL is sitting there okay with the situation going on, was was okay with that game being shut down, will be okay with more changes moving forward, and would highly dislike a situation like that, especially if that person is, you know, somewhere near the Steelers organization. Yeah. Um I, I agree with you. Um there was probably not a hundred percent. I don't know. Like there definitely are people in the NFL who are not happy about what happened on Monday night um, for a number of reasons, but I don't know. I, I, they have to, I don't know. I just can't get around the fact that the, the bills just kind of unanimously, unanimously decided to, to call that game themselves. And I just think they have, uh, I don't know. The NFL is just going to have to, decide i don't know because it's such a bad look to throw this team up for and tell a team they have to forfeit under circumstances like this they're in an awful spot i don't think they can win in either way but yeah as long as the bills don't play like you have to assign them forfeits right if you're really being honest to the game but i don't know and then what happens if they're not you know what i mean like what if what if worst case scenario happens and this team isn't ready for you know, for two weeks, you know, how do you, how do you tell somebody to go do that? Like, how do you like, Hey man, like you just watched your teammate possibly pass away right in front of you. You watch somebody administer CPR on a football field to somebody you love. You have a week. If you want to forfeit that game, cool. You have two weeks to be emotionally prepared to go out there. And it's not like emotionally prepared to go back to work. You are emotionally prepared to put your body on the line in a situation where that line of work just claimed somebody that you love like that's that's impossible it's impossible to say you know go do this and then it's just it very is it's a very much so lose-lose situation i was listening to the pat mcafee show yesterday and ian Rappaport went on there excuse me and said uh that you know the nfl from the meetings that he's been in have been very we don't really care about the business side of things right now we're just kind of focused on demar which i don't know if that's 
necessarily exactly what's being said, but I would believe that they are very much concerned about how they look in this situation. And, you know, they understand how bad they will look if they don't handle this the right way. Maybe we are, maybe we're in for a situation where everything gets pushed back a little while and the NFL season kind of just gets put on pause. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing for the Pittsburgh Steelers, but for right now, I mean, it doesn't really matter. It's just about, what's best for the Bills, what's best for DeMar Hamlin, and what's best for the players involved in that situation. All right, let's talk. Um, well, let's keep playoffs for a second. Update on the the Miami Dolphins, who need to lose to the New York Jets this week. Tua Tagovailoa is officially out again. I don't know if it's official, but it's trending towards being out again with a concussion two weeks in a row. It'll be Skylar Thompson out there, most likely, unless Teddy Bridgewater pulls off a miracle and heals from a broken finger in less than a week. New York Jets do not look good whatsoever, but do you got to feel you got to feel better about the the Jets' hopes in this week, right? Yeah, I mean, like, shoot, the Miami Dolphins don't look good. Like, no, they look, look terrible. Right, like even when Tua was in there, like they don't, they haven't looked like anything special. Um, yeah, you you have to like the Jets' chance. I don't know. I kind of count on a bounce back game from Mike White. I think he's got it in him. Um, I I don't think the Jets are nearly as bad as they've played with the past few weeks. Um, I agree with that one. Skylar Thompson is going to give him plenty of opportunities to score. Trust me, like that that defense is going to pick on him a little bit. Um, yeah, I I quite frankly, I really like their chances. I don't like Miami. Miami's just playing the wrong way. They are they are barreling out at the real at the very very wrong time. I think it would be absolutely nuts, absolutely nuts if Miami goes zero for three to lose this season, and somehow like I think the craziest part would be the Steelers would walk into the off season win or lose no matter what their situation is in a better situation than the Miami Dolphins because the Dolphins would be looking at it going we need to figure out our quarterback situation. We need to figure out if we're a winning football team. You got to question Mike McDaniels, and I love Mike McDaniels, but you got to question Mike McDaniels. Meanwhile, the Steelers would be saying, hey, man, we turned it on at the end of the season. We had this game plan the entire time. We knew things were going to be slow. We got a quarterback, man. We got a we got some defensive guys that we feel real good about. We got a running game. We got an offensive line. We got a head coach. That'd be nuts, nuts to think about because four weeks ago, you were just sitting around going, the Steelers are screwed. The Dolphins look good. Mike McDaniels brought some swagger to this team. Two was a man, two is the man. Two is an MVP candidate at one point this season. And today we're sitting here going, the Dolphins might be in bigger trouble than the Steelers ever were at any point this season. Nuts to think about. Yeah, I they, they've been an unbelievable roller coaster to be a Miami Dolphins fan. Yes. I remember while I was watching that game when they played the Patriots last week and just they actually laid out the streaks that this team has gone on. Like they went, you know, three and zero, and then lost like four in a row, and then won five in a row, and then like lost four in a row again. I can't remember the exact numbers, but like that, what are they doing to that fan base? That is a that oh, my, is the my, worst tease uh, I can ever imagine. My one of my best friends is a Dolphins fan, and like the only like real Dolphins fan possibly in all of Pennsylvania. Crazy. And this dude, the text messages that I get in like our group chat on Sundays are magnificent because sometimes (laughs) it's like dolphins are winning the Super Bowl. Two is the man, blah, blah, blah. And then the other half of the season, it'll be like, I hate this team. I hate Tua. 
I can't believe they're doing this to me. This is the worst. They suck. They don't deserve to make the playoffs. And I couldn't even, you know, the Steelers do that all the time. And they did that my entire childhood as well. But I don't know, like at least the Steelers, like you knew the hope like was actually there. Even when it wasn't there, it was there for the Dolphins. It's like, maybe it's gone. It also like, didn't like fluctuate as high. Like, you know, it didn't, you didn't go from like, I don't know. I feel like those swings happened on like a game to game basis. And, but they were still kind of like a, a leveling out of, of where the Steelers were. The Dolphins just, they go from highest high to lowest low in a matter of like a week. And it's, it's, it's unbelievable to watch. Yeah. It's, uh, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a tough time. I couldn't imagine being a, like we, we were somewhat blessed to grow up with organizations being fans of organizations that like, even when they were bad, they were still good. Like there was still right. enough hope there where you're just like, you know what, man, like whatever we stink this week. It is what it is. Sometimes with those organizations, like the dolphins, when you start to stink, you're like, Oh, how long is this going to last? How mm. long, how long are we going to suck for? Like, yeah. this is terrible. Couldn't imagine. All right, last thing I want to talk about, Steelers got some rookies. They got a lot of rookies, and the rookies are playing well in the last couple of weeks. I think that it somewhat clears up a situation heading into the offseason where the Steelers have to worry about whether or not they're going to replace half of their team or whether or not they're just going to fill in rookies heading into year two. I think the big ones are Mark Robinson, DeMarvin Leal, Jalen Warren, and then you know, the new guys on the offensive line, I think have all solidified themselves, even though none of them are rookies. Let's start with inside linebacker. We watched Mark Robinson get his first start last week, out snapped Devin Bush significantly, finished the game, him and Robert Spillane. What'd you think? I liked it. Um, I thought they were, I thought they were pretty good. Yeah. Um, I thought they really just, I thought they really stepped up to the challenge of stopping uh, Baltimore's run um, when, uh, this team, I guess, got kind of ran over in that first matchup. I thought they were they were absolutely game. Um, thought they played really well. Uh, Mike Tomlin said that uh, Mark Robinson was one of those guys who just lended himself to that football. Just he's aggressive, plays downhill, loves to hit people. Um, yeah, you got to love that. Um, I feel like you can. The Steelers will be able to coach him up, kind of coach up the other. Um, you know, maybe more raw parts of his game. Um, but the aggression is a the, the how aggressive he is is a great place to start. And then Robert Spillane is just he's a little inconsistent, but I don't know. He was just I, I feel like against the Ravens, he found himself on the end of just every big play. Um I felt like he did a lot, a lot of stuff really, really well and he, he stepped up into a, a much bigger role really, really well. So the craziest part about Robert Spillane is I agree with you, he is a little bit inconsistent. But in the last three games, he's played 100% of the snaps. And, you know, you're asking a guy to do a lot. So maybe he should be doing a lot, but he is doing a lot. And that somewhat surprises me. Like, he has led the team in tackles the last three weeks in a row. Right. That's exactly what you're looking for for a dude who's playing 100% of the snaps is to lead the team in tackles. And then Mark Robinson, I think it was Spillane, Minka, Mark Robinson. I think that's what it was. In Baltimore, I thought Robin said for a seventh round pick, I mean, to go in there into Baltimore, the toughest running team in the NFL, and I don't want to say stop them, but slow them enough to win. I mean, that's a win. That's a that's a win. That's how you win in Baltimore. You give your team an off or you give your offense an opportunity to go win the game at the end. You keep the game in check. Mark Robinson and Robert Splane did that Two people that nobody saw coming this season. 
nobody. I, no. I mean, I watched I watched both of them in training camp. I was a little optimistic about Mark Robinson, but at the same time, I was like, dude, this guy's a seventh round rookie. He's never going to play. Both of them it, looked pretty good. Yeah, and I think the thing that should get you really excited if you're a Steelers fan is that Mark Robinson has so much room to grow. Yes. Um, there is. Yes. He was such a a raw product coming out of college. Um, part of why he was a seventh round pick, I feel like the t- the the physical tools were there, but he that, that processing part uh, really learned how to play linebacker, and um, I feel like he's come along really nicely since since he first arrived in Pittsburgh and first arrived in the NFL. Do you feel confident enough right now if the season ended today, which it might end in five days? that you're going to head into the offseason and the Steelers could go out. They're definitely going to go out and get another linebacker. But do you feel confident that like, okay, well, Spillane will be your number one. You need maybe a number two or like a two B and then it'll be Mark Robinson next season. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, whatever, you know, pieces they add, I, I, I wouldn't be comfortable walking into a season with, with Mark Robinson as my like second best linebacker. Um, yeah. But I mean, so, but yeah, I mean, he is a more than serviceable depth piece, I think, especially for next year. After you, you know, can kind of give him some full, give him a full off season of not being a rookie, but being you know a real part of your team and an important part of the defense. Um, I feel like that'll be huge for him. And I don't know. I gotta say, Robert Spillane, like number one, being your number one linebacker for an entire season does. What, I mean, it's scary, but that's what's gonna happen. You know, like yeah. it. They there. There's no way they're this in love with this guy just because. Their other options are that their other options aren't that bad. Like Devin Bush isn't a, isn't great, but he's a starting linebacker on most teams. Miles mm-hmm. Jack is a starting linebacker on almost every team, mm-hmm. but Robert Spillane is the is the guy. He's the guy taking 100 percent of the snaps. He's the guy covering. He's the guy playing dime linebacker. You know the Steelers, whether they should or not, they do very much like this guy. Mm-hmm. But if they get a number two that's worthy of a number one, I feel like that evens out. You know, at that point, you're just like. You're just rotating guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you just have three guys that you feel comfortable with. And it's crazy to think that two of them will be Robert Splane and Mark Robinson. The other name on the defense is DeMarvin Leal, who I think stepped up for really the first time last last week and kind of said like, okay, I'm a defensive end. Please keep me at defensive end. Stop putting me on the outside. I'm a big man. Let me play big man football. Mike Tomlin said something along those lines saying like DeMarvin Leal doesn't realize he's a lineman, but he's a lineman. That that's I think that's good. I think for the first time we saw where he belongs, where he should belong, um, and I think that it, it proved it proved nicely that he could make himself a piece to this defensive line. Yeah, it's great, and I think that that's a position that needed some youth so badly. Um, and and between the emergence of Alex Highsmith, I mean Alex, you're you're getting him at kind of the wrong time. You're getting this kind of explosion of production. Not at the wrong time, but just you got to pay him. So, like, you know, that's not going to be an easy piece of young talent to to hang on to. But, yeah, the defensive line needed some youth. Um, and DeMarvin Leal is definitely a welcome sign there. Um, just another, like, I'm just so excited to see what they do next year, you know? Uh, oh, yeah. Just another one of those guys that, you know, the, pl- their play against Baltimore was really exciting and all that, but can't wait to, I, i'm just much more excited to see what they do with like a full after a full off season of work yeah agreed i think that you could look at that situation and say those are two guys that could be very quality role players and compete for starting jobs i think both of them will compete for starting jobs i don't think that yeah and you said this last week 
I don't think you could walk into the offseason being like DeMarvin Leal is your starting defensive end and Mark Robinson is your starting inside linebacker and feel better about your situation because you cannot. But those are building blocks and you need building blocks and the Steelers seem to have found two of them. The other one's Jalen Warren. Everybody knows what Jalen Warren has done this season. I think the big question is he plays running back, running back. The roller coaster ride that could be a running back's career is very much so real. Like you could mm-hmm. go from superstar to nothing within one off season. But do you get that sense about Jalen Warren or do you think that he's got the talent to kind of be, you know, here for a little while? Yeah, I, I, I do because I think he is not only a, you know, I don't think it's just his physical traits that are really impressive. Um, yeah. I think he's a really smart player too. Um, I think that's, like you don't just trust a, a rookie running back right out of the jump, but he's been he, he's been a part of this team for I don't know he's, I can't remember how long he's you know really started to get snaps, but I don't know he he does well in pass protection too. He runs the he knows his routes, he knows which holes to hit. He doesn't you know try to do too much. He's just a very like fundamentally sound football player, and I think that's going to carry for a long time, even when maybe his speed or his athleticism kind of takes a step back eventually. I think those, those things are really going to carry him for a while. Yeah. I kind of get the same, the same sense. You know, I, I go back to the first time I ever talked to Jalen Warren and he told me, dude, I've been an underdog my whole life. You know, nobody wanted to give me offers. Then the offers I got stunk. I had to work my way onto the field in college. Then I knew I wasn't going to get drafted into the NFL. So I kept that mindset the whole time. He's like, I'm just going to be Jalen Warren and Jalen Warren's an underdog that wins. I was like, okay, sounds like every other undrafted rookie ever. The difference is this guy has proven it, so I have to believe what he says. But I agree. I think he's a very smart football player. His ability to pass block is huge, and that will keep him in Pittsburgh for as long as he wants to stay here because it kept Benny Snell around for as long as he wanted to stay here. The fact that he could pass block very well and he could play special teams. Jalen Warren could do both of those things as well. He's a quality pass catcher. I think him and Najee play similar football, which is huge for the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's got a connection with Kenny. He's got a connection with Najee. I don't know. I think he's just the perfect one-two punch. And then I think the best case scenario for the Steelers is to draft somebody late in the draft or even go sign like a maybe another offseason free agent undrafted or in the pool, the free agency pool, and let Anthony McFarlane compete for his final year as well, see who makes that third roster spot. And then, you know, you got to feel good about your situation there. Plus, I think Anthony McFarlane kind of showed that he has developed nicely in that one game against Indy that mm-hmm. maybe, you know, maybe you do have three guys on the roster next season already that you feel much better about the running back situation right now than you did coming into the season. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, you at least at the very least, you have two top line guys that you would, yeah. I don't know. You'd, I'd feel like if Najee was hurt, if you know, Najee oh. broke his leg tomorrow, like I would feel so comfortable putting Jalen Warren in at first running back and having taken most of the snaps. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the Steelers, the Steelers literally won a football game on the ground with Benny Snell Jr. and Anthony McFarland, which, you know, shows that at bare minimum, their offensive line is going to do enough to give somebody a chance. And then Jalen Warren is like you said, like he gives you starter quality reps for a backup. And you have to appreciate that. I do. I think that the Steelers have some really good building blocks that we did not see coming that are going to pay dividends this offseason and make this offseason a lot easier for the Pittsburgh Steelers. 
right, we're heading out of here. Thank you guys so much for jumping on to another episode of All Steelers Talk. Make sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, youtube.com slash All Steelers Talk. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts and check all mine and Steven's workout at allsteelers.com. I will be back on Friday with Derek. Peace. (laughs) 